All right, everybody, we're going to get started. Uh, welcome. My name is Isaiah Rowe. Um, I am the owner of Integrity Leadership and Development. I'm also a part of the John Maxwell team. I know some of you probably never have heard of John Maxwell. Anybody ever heard of John Maxwell before? One or two people, I'm sure. Um, but we are going to be talking about how to build a successful, in this situation, a youth team. But really, the things that we're going to talk about are for building any kind of team, for any kind of leadership team. Okay? Um, if you don't mind, if you guys would just bow your head for a quick second and pray um, that just uh, the Lord uses me and that you guys get the best out of this and take and all the takeaways. Okay? Father God, we just thank you for an amazing day. Father, I thank you for a room full of leaders. I thank you for a room full of people who are looking to take the next step in their leadership traits, oh God, and their abilities, Father. Just thank you for blessing my words, Father. Bless this conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. So I said conversation at the very end, the last 15 minutes or so. We're going to do some kind of like Q&A, and I, I don't have all the answers. And so I think there's a lot of smart people, I'm assuming, in this room. So when we do a Q&A, if you, if you hear a question that you say, hey, you know, I've dealt with that before, I've done this before, um, feel free to tag in. I'm not, I'm not the, just because I'm up here with the, the microphone or lapel mic. Uh, doesn't mean I'm the only one that needs to speak, okay? Uh, real quick, I know we're, we're going on time, so I'm going to rush through a couple things, but I do want to introduce myself, and I want to get to know you guys, so because we are on a time restraint, if you guys would all just at once just tell me your name on the count of three. One, two, three. Okay, nice to meet you. My name is Isaiah Rowe again. I, I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Anybody from Toledo, Ohio in here? Am I the only one? Grew up there? Okay. Okay, so just a, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of background about myself for a little bit. Um, I grew up in Toledo. I was there. I went to Bible college uh, there as well uh, at Assemblies of God Bible College. Got married to my wonderful wife, and we moved to Youngstown and started uh, in youth ministry at Victory Christian Center, pretty large church in Youngstown, about 5,000 people or so. Um, we came into youth ministry. Uh, church was about 5,000. Youth ministry was about 25. Red flag, right? Is that a red flag to anybody? Got 5,000 people in your church and only 25 youth are attending. So that was kind of a red flag. So us and another couple, they brought in to kind of help revamp that. Um, long story short, by the time we left four years later, the youth ministry was running about 700 a week. So um, again, not just because of us, but because, of, again, what we're going to talk about is about the team that we built. I always say a good leader is the best when that leader can leave and things run the same, right? When things keep running. Um, real quick, I have a, a, a wife and uh, three beautiful daughters. Um, I have... How's it going, guys? Come on, just come on in. Just. Come on in, come on. She got you carrying the purse. Okay. Oh, oh, it's not a purse. Okay, you're good. Okay. Either way, you were all right. So I have a, a wife and three daughters. Um, I have twin uh, uh, four-year-olds. Um, so any, anybody in here have kids? Anybody in here have daughters? Any guys in here have daughters? Okay. So you, you guys know what I'm going through. So um, anyways, uh, so I have three beautiful daughters. Of my wife, she's also in ministry. She was a youth pastor actually when I met her. Um, I was in Bible college. She was the youth pastor. I spent a lot of time helping in the youth ministry, if you know what I mean. Anyway, right? I'm the only one that's ever done anything like that. Um, but God called us uh, to, to Youngstown. We were there for four or five years, and then we moved to St. Louis, a church on the rock, a very large church there as well. And same kind of issue. The church was you know, about 7,000 people and a youth ministry of under 100. The, the teens just weren't connecting. The youth weren't just connecting. The young adults weren't just weren't connecting. So we brought us in and another uh, couple other leaders as well. And by the time we left there after three years, I was running about 1,000 teenagers a week. So again, still, and it's still growing to this day. And then um, we went to Austin, Texas. Anybody from Texas in here? Good, I hate Texas. I can say that. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad I'm back in Ohio. They do not like Ohio people in Texas. Like, my, my house was vandalized. And my, I had an Ohio State grill cover. It was ripped off. and vandal- I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, so we were in Austin there. We helped start a church. 
um, from scratch. God called us and a couple other families to go to Austin, Texas. Had never been. Um, it was just kind of a, a God thing. We moved there. And um, in the first year, it was actually the fastest growing church in the history of Austin, Texas. So it went from zero to 800 in the first year. So we were a part of that. And then God called us home. Right when we had our twins, we figured, let's go home. We need reinforcements. If anybody's ever had twins or more than one young child, we needed reinforcements. So we moved home back in Toledo. And I, um, I'm part of the John Maxwell team, so I started my own leadership company. And basically what I do is I go around and help leadership teams, not just in the church world, but also in the business world, uh, build up their leadership teams. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, Funny story, real quick. If you guys got, who's got notepads? I see some notepads. Who's taking notes on their phones or iPads? Let me see here. If, you got, if you're using a, a device, raise your hand. Okay. How many of you guys are using an Apple device? Raise your hand. How many of you guys are like, I hate Apple. Raise your hand. It's okay. Ah, he said, he's waiting. Okay. I just want to see. I want to make sure I'm in a safe place. So, um, but j- just when you're in a setting like this, I've heard it said before, and I'm sure you guys have heard it, that a... A long pencil is better than a short memory. So make sure you're taking a lot of notes. And you guys might even be sparked with things that I don't even, I don't even say. You can come after words and share with me um, some things. Um, but it, it's funny what the, they were talking about, and they're writing things down on your iPhone, iPad. Three years ago, me and my wife built a house. And I, I promise you not, we were choosing between two lots for our builder. And me and my wife, did, we went to the both lots, and we walked the circumference of where we were going to build the house. And you might say, oh, that's super spiritual. You're prayer walking. No, we were walking with our phones to see which lot gave us the best signal. You know, so, so that's, like the, that's like problems nowadays, right? And that's literally how we picked where we were going to build our house. So uh, I just think that's funny nowadays that we do that kind of thing. Um, first thing is, how many of you guys are, are actual youth leaders? Raise your hand. How many of you are actual youth pastors? Raise your hand. How many of you are both and the janitor and, the, and all the other? Okay, there we go. That's what I assumed. Okay. Um, the first thing we want to talk about with, with building a team is you have to know that you need a team, right? There, there's no Lone Ranger youth pastors out there. If there's a Lone Ranger youth pastor, they're usually going to get burnt out and they're not going to last long. Um, anybody ever seen the Lone Ranger? Who, who is a sidekick? Tonto. Everybody needs a Tonto, right? Everybody needs a second, okay? So that's the first thing. It's not really part of what I'm talking about, but I do want to say, if you're in youth ministry or you're a leader of any kind and you're not pouring into somebody else and building somebody that can take over for you, or that when you leave, if you're, if you're out sick or you got the flu or you get, you know, some, you know, whatever happens and you're out and, and things can't run smoothly, then you need to make sure that you're investing your time into the people underneath you. And uh, everywhere we went, that was one of the keys that we did is we always built the leadership team. And a lot of the times you're taught as a youth pastor, you need to spend time with the kids. You need to spend, you know, you need to go to every event. You need, yes, all those things are good, but where you're going to get the most of your return is by investing in your leaders, okay? Um, point number one, if you guys just, or if you're taking notes, I was, the first thing in youth, you know, we built so many youth teams. Uh, whenever we've gone to a new city, we always ask the, the pastor or the whoever's leading at the time, why, why can't you build this youth ministry? What's going on? And they just say that we don't have leaders, so step, step number one is you've got to believe no matter where you're at. If you're in a church of 10 or in your church of 10,000, you need to first believe that God has the leaders already there for you, right? You need to believe that there's leaders there, okay? They may not be fully equipped or ready to go right then, but if God's called you to build something, he's already bought, put, the, put the leaders there, okay? The first step in building a core of leaders is to believe that they actually do exist. It's, they're not a myth, right? You must believe that God would never call you to oversee a ministry without providing everything necessary for it to be fruitful and to be a success. And that's sometimes where, as youth pastors, youth leaders, you feel like you're just doing it alone. Anybody ever felt like they're just doing it alone or they're just exhausted, um, burnt out, and working two jobs? You know, how many bivocational youth pastors do we have in here? Okay. How many bivocational youth leaders? Okay. So there's, it's, a, it's close to half. 
So if you, and it's a, kind of a different scenario if you're bivocational. You know that you don't have the same amount of time and the same amount of things to, to present as if somebody who's in full-time ministry. Um, but you need to definitely be looking for leaders. That's one of the things that you need to do. Everywhere you go, if you're, listen, just because they're not in your church right now doesn't mean that they can't be a youth leader for you down the road. You need to always be looking like if you're a single guy, every girl is a potential wife, right? A couple of single guys, I can see who you are, but you smiled, right? So, and that's what you know when you're single, everybody you're looking at, could she be the one? Could he be the one? When you're a youth pastor, you need to be looking at everybody. Everybody that comes across your path, that God brings your path, could they be a youth leader? They may not be perfect. They may not look exactly what you think they're supposed to look like, but they could be. So that's what we, uh, step one, is you need to be looking for those leaders. Anybody ever heard of a, a nice scientific term called your reticular activating system? Nobody. Okay, good. That's what I wanted to see. So your reticular activating system, how many ladies in here have ever bought like a brand new pair of shoes and they go, these are brand new, nobody's going to have them. You buy them and then all of a sudden everybody's rocking your shoes. Or guys, anybody ever buy like a brand new car and you've never seen that car before and now you suddenly you buy it and everybody's got your car when you're driving? Anybody ever done something like that? That's your reticular activating system. What that is doing is it just tells your brain, all those cars were already there, right? Those are the cars. People didn't just go out the day after you bought your car and copy it off you. Ladies, somebody didn't just go out after you bought your purse or your shoes and go copy off you, even though that's what we think, right? What it is is your brain is now telling you what's important to look for, okay? So what we need to do as youth leaders, youth pastors, and youth ministry is you need to activate your reticular activating system and say, what am I looking for in leaders, so you need to start looking for those traits. You need to start looking for those people. What are some things, and again, this is an open forum, what are some things that you look for in a youth leader? And you just yell it out. There's no, no wrong answer. What's that? Commitment. commitment. How many of you would say, let's do a raise of hands since you guys are still tired. How many would say commitment is a key thing that you look for in leadership? Okay, something else. Honesty, right? Who would say Honesty. Some of you are like, no, I'll take whatever I can get, right? At this point, I'm just going to take anything. I don't care if they're dishonest. I don't care if they're not loyal, right? What else? Maturity. Maturity is huge, especially why? Because we're working with youth. And what does that mean? None of them are mature. We already know that, right? So we need mature leaders. What else? Reliability. Both are good. Relatability, yeah. You know, again, I've been in, every time we've come into a new place, I can tell sometimes, you know, again, the more leaders, the better, right? But sometimes your leaders are maybe in a wrong position, right? And uh, I've always come in and, and see just there's that one or two just really awkward, of, not anybody in here, of course, really awkward and weird leaders. I'm like, that's a huge turnoff to, to teenagers nowadays, right? If you just look like that creepy old guy, you know, right? Am I the only one that's ever thought that about a youth leader? Okay, I'm alone, but that's okay. But yeah, so um, that one more. Somebody else give me one more thing that you look for. Willingness to serve, servanthood is huge, right? In youth ministry, because listen, if you guys are getting paid, you're probably getting paid pennies. They're not going to get paid at all, so you need somebody with a servant's heart. And that's, that's a really good point. So for step one, you guys have to just believe that they're out there, right? Any, anybody ever watched the old film, uh, Field of Dreams? Anybody ever seen that before? What's, what's the whole tagline in there? If you build it, right? If you, if you believe that they're, if you believe they're there, you'll start to see them. Number two is with your leaders that you currently have, you need to recognize their potential. You need to recognize the potential of the leaders that are already there. Or even the leaders that you might see something in somebody else. Maybe they're not stepping into leadership right now, but you can see that God-given talent or treasure in them, and you need to pull it out of them, right? Anybody ever been with a, somebody that you know, listen, I know God can use you, and you just had to kind of had to pull them to step into ministry. When we were in St. Louis, um, 
one of the guys, he was a, he, he was probably about my age, but he was probably about 25 at the time. And uh, his wife was the church's, um, she answered the phone, she was a receptionist. But he worked at a Mercedes-Benz dealership and he was a DJ and a dancer. And he did all these, he did all these different things. And he danced with like Nelly and like he, he was big time. But he wanted to just be a youth leader and come in. And he said, I don't, I don't have any talents. I don't know what I can do. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, you can, you dance with Nelly. You could start a dance team. Like, let's, what about that? He started a dance team. Our dance team alone had 120 teenagers in it. Just because we found the talent that he had. What if I would have told him, hey, listen, I need you to run the snack bar. He probably would have been okay, right? He probably would have done a pretty good job, good personality. But because we found out where his talent was at and where he was gifted, and we put him in that position, we put him in that place, and then we also didn't just, we didn't just put him in that place and said, here, you start the dance team, you're on your own, see you later, hopefully it's a success. Of course, we built that up through the way, but we had to make sure that we recognized their potential and put them in a situation to succeed. Uh, number three is that you need to see the best in people, right? Again, one thing to recognize potential, see somebody, but... How, Everybody's got issues, right? There's no perfect person out there. If you spend any time with any of your leaders, you're going to find something you don't like about them. And I, I was actually a co-youth pastor with another uh, youth pastor years ago, and he just found every negative thing about every person possible. Like, he would say things, I'm like, I didn't even notice that about that person. He's like, that person's got a crooked tooth. That person doesn't dress right. That person, I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought you were a youth pastor. You know, but just finding the negative about people is something that you as a leader need to do the opposite of. And sometimes you'll find yourself in that situation where you're like, um, this is failing because my youth leader, my guitar player can't play the right notes. I don't got a worship leader. I don't got nobody that can help me out. And you find all the negative things in people. But what we need to do is we need to see the best. One of the greatest roles of a leader is to believe in the people underneath his or her care, right? That's what they want. They want that sometimes these leaders just need somebody to believe in them. And you can be that person. And you might say, but, you know, the leader, they're 20 years older than me. Or they're 20 years younger than me. I'm not relevant. They're not relevant. Yes, you are. You're in a position of leadership, and they want that from you. We all need, to, we all need someone to believe in us, to see the best in us, and to bring it forth. Sure, we might have many faults, uh, but not everyone in this we, we all might have many faults, but when people, excuse me, but people where I'm from, I just had a huge typo, sorry about that, guys. Uh, again, we still need to be able to bring that out of them. So anything that you see in somebody, we need to bring the positive out of them. Uh, number four, take risks. How many of you, and, and now this is, don't tell your senior pastor I said this, I might get stoned. I, there, take risks, I'm going to explain what that means. That doesn't mean do something risque, that means take risk in youth ministry, right? So I don't mean like have a, a dance off, you know, where girls are half dressed. And I don't mean be risky. I'm saying take risks in, in ministry. One, you have to encourage your leaders to do the same thing. You need to encourage your leaders to take risks. What does that mean? What, what does somebody think I mean when I say take risks in youth ministry? Just one, one person. Get out, of our get out of We got two. So get out of our comfort zone. That's huge. What else? Chances make champ. Absolutely. You, you'll never know if, if, you're gonna, if you're able to do it unless you try, right? You miss 100% of the target every time you don't even try to shoot it, right? Any, any shooters in here, archery or pistols or just anybody from the streets that you just shot at anything? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, okay. All right. Some of you look reaching in your coat. Oh. Um, Jesus tells us that we cannot please God by playing it safe, right? Anybody else in here read their Bible before? Any Bible readers? Just two of you? You guys are youth pastors. I get it. Okay. Uh, one of the keys to success in the early church was that men and women were 
able to risk literally what they risk. They literally risk their lives. And hopefully your senior pastor is not asking you to risk your life for the youth ministry. But you may need to take other risks to do so, right? You may need to take a risk and step out in faith and believe that God's called you to revamp your youth center, but the funds aren't there. Anybody been there before? Right? Maybe God's, you know, saying, hey, you need to start this new ministry, but the leaders aren't there, the finances aren't there. You know, anybody else ever been there before? I don't, have you, are you guys in youth ministry? Or maybe, again, I was in youth ministry 10 years ago and five years ago, so maybe, maybe it's now, better now. But uh, for some reason, when I was in youth ministry, everything was, you know, pulling hair and, you know, uh, pull, pulling teeth and to get finances for anything. You know, the kids ministry would ask for it. Sure, here you go. Here's the extra 10 grand. Teen, youth ministry, you guys need to have a car wash. Raise it yourself. Am, am I alone? Where, what church do you guys go to? <laughs> if they're hiring, let me, let me know. Um, if you're afraid of messes, if you're afraid of failing, if you're afraid of risking, you're never going to get anywhere, especially in youth ministry. Why? Because our teenagers nowadays, what do, they, what do they gravitate to? That's what they gravitate to, is people that risk everything, that take chances, that are doing something different, doing something new. Listen, if you, if you do the same thing in back-to-back weeks in youth ministry, you've lost them. You need to create something new literally all the time, right? Our youth nowadays have an attention span of that right? They'll download an app, play it for 10 seconds, and delete it and go on to the next app. I mean, that's just literally the youth of today. Their attention span is so short, and not on purpose, but that's, we've created them, right? Um, We develop the people around us by letting them develop their gifts by actually using them. That was one of the biggest things in youth leadership that we built, is we literally would grab the youth and make them part of the leadership team. We would take our older, our seniors and our juniors and literally give them ownership. Let them make decisions. Give them ownership and make them feel a part of things. If you're not doing that with your youth, that's one of the key reasons why I've seen in multiple youth ministries where you lose your youth. If you're, I'm the youth pastor, I'm going to make the decisions, I'm going to make every, you know, if you're doing your youth center the way it looks, give your youth ownership of that, okay? It's, and it's okay. You might say, what if they do something wrong? So what? It, it can be fixed, Right? So youth nowadays want to have ownership. Encourage your team to not wait until their gifts are fully developed before they put them to use. When we started in Youngstown, there was, a, uh, there was three brothers. There was two twins. They were both 15, and their older brother was 17. And when we got to the church, the, older, the 17-year-old was, his name was Scotty. He was the church. He was that church kid, right? He grew up in the church, but he was the one who was breaking into cars. He was the one who would sleep during service. He was that. Anybody know who that guy is in youth ministry? Again, I'm a, I, what kind of youth ministry do you guys have? You guys are awesome. Anyways, he was that kid in youth. And every youth pastor, there was two youth pastors ago, he was still on staff at the church doing something different. And when we were coming in, the youth pastor was leaving. Both of us said, hey, everything's amazing. You're going to love it here, but beware of Scotty. <laughs> right? That was the warning. He's horrible. He's, a, you know, he's, he, he's going to be an annoyance. He's going to be rude. He's going to mess up youth ministry. I would, just, I would start by not even letting him in. But when we started, I had a conversation with him. I sat down. I said, hey, I've heard some things about you. I bet you have. You know, I sat down with him for lunch. If you, Teenagers, the way to their heart is through their stomach, just like men, all of them, right? They're hungry. Feed them, right? Take them to McDonald's. So we had a, I took him to lunch, and I said, tell me, tell me a little about yourself. He said, I'm sure you've heard everything about me already. I'm like, I'm throwing it all out the window. Fresh start. Tell me about Scotty. And so he told me about the things he likes to do. He said he likes to play guitar. And I said, do you like to play guitar? I said, well, we're trying to build a worship team. Let me hear you. He came in. This, this kid literally could have been on American Idol. He, uh, the first year, um, what, uh, fine arts, do you guys still do fine arts here in the AG? Okay. Um, the very first year he did fine arts, and he went to nationals on three different guitar, soloing, and worship team. 
and he had never done it before. He, never, he wasn't even being used. He was just sitting in the, in the chair, and now he's a worship leader for a church of 10,000 people in, in Texas. But why? Because not just me, but our other leaders took a chance at this kid, right? And I'm not saying that God wouldn't have found somebody else to use him or grab him, but he then became our, that, that week while we were sitting at lunch, I said, you're going to be our worship leader. He's like, I don't even go to the youth. I haven't even, I'm like, you're going to be our worship leader. Well, I don't sing. Well, you're going to sing. He's like, I've never sang in my life. His whole family's musicians. He's like, I was like, I'll play guitar, but I don't sing. I said, you're going to sing and you're going to play the guitar. He got up there and he literally, I mean, one of the best musicians to the, and I'm a musician myself. I play guitar and done music for 20 years. He circles around me, like with his eyes closed. And, but God had, that gift was already in him, right? And there's, the point to that is there's youth leaders and other people that are probably already where you're at now, that if you would just activate that particular activating system and start looking for it, and again, it might not be a bright, shining star. He might not have already been on stage playing. That's an easy gift to grab. I can see he can play. I can see God can use him. Let, let him be a part of my team. What you need to do is start looking for the people that aren't being used, the people that aren't being used to their full potential. Just by a raise of hands, can, can you think maybe there's a chance that somebody, at least one person at your church or in your, in your circle is maybe not being used to their full potential? Okay, five of you. That's good. Okay. All right. Uh, the next thing with, with youth leaders, and again, I'm really talking about really building your youth leaders. Because again, yeah, some of these points you can do with your youth, and it's important, to sp- like the things I'm going to talk about, spending time. Yeah, do that with the teenagers, but really if you build your team, I mean, think about even what Jesus did with his disciples. Jesus wasn't able to spend time with the crowd as much as he wanted to, but well, who did he invest his time with? He invested his time with his disciples. And I know it's kind of like old school, you know, the churches have been planted off of this, this theory, but it's really important that if you spend your time with your youth leaders, they're going to reproduce who you are. They're going to reproduce who you are with the kids, and if you show them your heart, they're going to do the same thing. Um, invest time with your relationship with the leaders that you already have now. Um, one of the things I like to say is all the time, you know, how many people in here have a youth leadership team, of whether it's one or 100 people? Hey, you have somebody else who helps you with your leadership, so just about everybody in here. So even if it's just once a week, twice a week, even if it's just once a month, plan it, let them know, and do some kind of team-building exercise, whether it's just let's go, to, let's go to Starbucks together and just brainstorm, let's, go to a, let's take a trip and go to another youth ministry that's maybe an hour away that's doing some things that we're not doing, things like plan those kind of things because, one, in, in trips like this, you know, this is something that you guys are doing, but you take it out of the normal, when you're outside of the normal is when you really build a relationship with your youth leaders. Okay. Um, to be a leader. Here's a couple things you need to be a leader. So if you're taking notes. Um, again, you can't be afraid to be a leader. But number one is called the law of diminishing return. Anybody know what that is? Good. One person. I like it. Okay. The, the, the law of diminishing return is basically this. Is just this. The quicker you act on something, the more likely you are to actually follow through. Let's take it to an easy example that everybody knows. New Year's, right? New Year's Eve, everybody's dropping 10 pounds. By the 2nd, everybody's giving up, right? By the 30th, you know, or by the 2nd, people at the gym, there's maybe half the people at the gym, the 15th, a quarter of the people, and by the end of January, there's nobody following through with their New Year's resolution. Why? Because they didn't act on it, right? So the law of diminishing return just basically says this. uh, The longer you wait to act on something, the less likely you are to actually follow through to do it. Um, it kind of tags in with the, the law of limiting beliefs. You know, um, as youth pastors, you should be at your church. You should have the biggest imagination, even bigger than the kid's pastor, bigger than the pastor himself. You should be that person that if you're in a board meeting or you're talking to your pastor, where your pastor's saying, that's not going to work at our church. And then you can say, yes, yes, it can, pastor. You need to have a huge vision, right? Vision is very important in youth ministry. 
Because without vision, we all know what happens. Basically death, right? And that's, yeah, but we're not talking about people's souls. Yes, we kind of are, right? Because the point of youth ministry isn't to just have a, a neat event. The point of youth ministry isn't just to get them from 13 to, to 18 and just get them into the church. That's not the point of youth ministry. The point of youth ministry is really to create leaders for Jesus, right? And if that's the way you shift your mindset, to look at it that way, that literally the time that I have them from, what are, how many people here started junior high, seventh grade in their youth ministry? How many people start in senior high? Okay, so most people are, so seventh grade. Anybody in here have a seventh grader? Any, okay. Like as, as their kid, sorry, as, as their child. Okay, I was like, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I usually don't ask ladies their age, but whatever you're doing, you can't, you know. She's like, I'm 45. I'm like, oh my gosh. That's great. Well, what Anyways, um, I have, I have a, a, a daughter who's about to be in junior high this next year, and it's just, there, there's just something different about when they come into that age. You have literally that gap. I think, and I don't know the statistics on it, but by the time, if they leave high school and they're not connected into your church, the chances of them even being connected in the future is like very minimal. One of you guys might know the stats on that better than I do, but it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. So if you can't capture them in junior high and you can't capture them when they're a freshman and you can't keep them involved, by the time they're young adults, they're going to be gone, right? And, uh, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a sad story, but that's just the way it is. Um, one, as a leader, you need to make sure that your leadership team knows where you're going. You need, again, like we said, with a vision. Every ministry should have a vision. You should have something that you're, that you're doing. You're not just, again, not just playing games. You're not just having service. You're not just having, you know, a prayer meeting. You're not just having, you know, two songs and a hymn and then uh, you play a game and everybody goes home. It should be more than that. Youth ministry is literally that, youth ministry. Almost every church that I've ever started at in youth ministry, every time I go there, they call it youth group. I hate that term. I don't know if you guys hate the term youth group. Like, we are not a group. Okay, we're not, it's not us four no more. It's because when, when you call it a youth group, usually when I go there, I've never seen a youth group over 20 people. I really, I literally never have because your words are powerful. When you're stating and you're speaking in existence, this is our youth group, but that's exactly what it is. You guys have a small group meeting. That's really what it is. So every time we've gone somewhere, we change it to typically a youth movement or a youth, you know, youth a ministry or something that means action. And again, that's just a, a verbiage, but when you're speaking that out and you're putting that out in the vision of your people, of the church, of the leaders, you're, you're saying, hey, listen, we're okay being just 20, te- 20 teenagers. Even if you're in a small church, listen, your youth ministry should not be determined by the size of your church. It really shouldn't be. I've been in two churches where our youth ministry was larger than the sanctuary church, right? Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're at. We heard those guys today said they're in rural Ohio or wherever they're from out in the cornfields or whatever. But where'd they say they're from? Anybody remember? Michigan. Michigan, that's right. Anyways, I knew I didn't remember for a reason. I don't know. And my dad's from Detroit, so I, I can say that. But anyways, um, um, next couple points here, and then I'm going to get into eight things that we're going to finish with, eight things that you really need from your team. And hopefully these eight points, again, if you take anything away, take these eight points away, and they're just going to be some practical steps that you can really take, and you might forget everything I said in the beginning. But eight practical tips that you can, when you're looking for leaders, when you're trying to build your youth ministry, eight things that you're going to want from your team. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk about the, the main word that I really feel that it's, it's really a God word, in my opinion. It's really a spirit-led word, and that's the word culture, okay? Culture is very key in youth ministry. It's very key in church, in church growth in general. But culture is literally what you allow. If you're the youth pastor, you set the culture of your church. You set the culture of your youth ministry, of your youth church. That's really what it is. And you set the culture, and you determine it. 
And, and I know that because when we, when, we went, when we were in Youngstown, there were things that worked in Youngstown that when I went to St. Louis, we tried to, to mimic and do in St. Louis because it worked in Youngstown. Some of those things worked, but we had to find the culture that was a little bit different in St. Louis than it was in Youngstown, right? And then we went from St. Louis to Austin. It, Texas is like its own country. I hate it. They, like, they're, they think they're their own people. But the things that worked in Youngstown and in St. Louis and then in Texas, we were there for three years, those same things didn't work because they had a different culture. But we knew what we wanted to create in that vision and the culture was the spirit of God, literally. And I tell people all the time, you, you know, um, people ask, well, what kind of church are you guys? You know, and I, you know, you explain to somebody on the street, you can't explain or your assemblies of God or your whatever. I just say, I'm a Bible believer. Well, what does that mean? I believe everything from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. That's, that's what I believe. Well, what does that mean? I don't know how to explain it any easier than that. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's in context, of course, right? So as a youth minister, when you're building that culture, that's really what it should be because youth ministries, if, you, if anybody ever traveled to a youth ministry that's not your own, how, you walk in and you feel a different culture in there sometimes, right? You feel a different spirit. Yeah, if they're, if they're preaching the, the word of God and they're believing souls to be saved, more power to you. But there's a culture that you, working with your pastor, need to create for your youth church because your youth church is literally a breeding ground for the people that are going to flow into the kingdom of God for that church. Right, So if you're not regularly, and this is just a side note, but if you're not regularly communicating with your senior pastor and you're not normally meeting with them and you're not connecting those two ministries together, that's something that I would really encourage you. Don't wait till Monday. You know, Literally, send the text after you leave here. Hey, pastor, when can we start meeting together? When can we start getting together? Or whoever that is in your church that you would do that with. Uh, but culture is important because it's, it's where you're going is not determined so much on your vision or defined by your vision statement, but it's defined, defined by your culture. Does that make sense? So you're, everybody, every church has a vision statement. You know, our, The church I go to now is called Vision Ministries. You know, I mean, they have a vision statement. But what actually that church actually is, is what their culture is. The vision statement is just words. The culture is anybody can walk in and say, this is the church of hope. This is a church of love. This is a church of whatever. You can also walk into churches and say, this is a church that is stuck up. This is a church that doesn't care about people. This is, and the same with youth ministry. You can walk into youth ministries and say, I don't feel welcome here. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel all those things. And that's the culture that you as the youth leader, you set that tone. Okay? Um, so real quick, we're going to get into the eight things, but just... Talking back on culture, culture is it's kind of like compound interest. Anybody ever anybody have a savings account in here? Anybody trying? Anybody want to have a savings account, right? Com- anybody know what compound interest is to your money, right? Somebody explain it to me in layman's terms. Just interest upon interest. Upon interest, interest upon interest upon interest. Exactly. So it makes you money, right? Your money's making you money. Um, but com- the compound interest is called the compound effect, um, and it's the same in youth ministry. Basically, that's if I was to say here, um, hey, I have a million dollars on one hand and I have a penny in the other but it's a magic penny, I'm going to give you two options. You can either take a million dollars cash right now and walk away, or I can give you a magic penny that will double in value for the next 31 days. Which one are you taking? Who's taking the magic penny? Who's taking the million dollars and running? <laughs> Who wants neither? Nobody wants any money. Okay, let's try this again. Play, please play. Okay, play the game. <laughs> million dollars hard cold cash. Who's taking it? Magic penny. Who's taking it? Okay, that magic penny, it's the compound effect. That's what it does. By 31 days, you know, day 10, you're kind of looking a little weird because it's only up to like, I think, 100 bucks. So you're like, oh, shoot, we're, you know, a third of the way there. It's only, it's only compounded to $100. Day 20, you're still looking a little rough. I think it's like maybe $100,000. You should have took the million dollars and left. But by day 29, 30, and 31, it's like, I don't know the math, it's like $11 million. But that's literally what compounding, the compound effect will do in your youth ministry. And it's literally about, what's the name of this conference? What's that? Synergy. 
Anybody know what synergy is really when you're bringing it all together and you're bringing the momentum and you're bringing the spirit of God and you're bringing all these things together, you're going to keep that energy going through your youth ministry. And it's really important because you can have the best, you can have the best worship team, you can have the best sermons, you can be the best youth leader, but if you don't have that synergy and you don't have that compound, that compound effect in the, in the, in the spirit of God in there, people aren't, teenagers aren't going to stay. Teenagers aren't going to have fun because what do teenagers do? They bring other, they're the ones that are your, grabbing uh, people from their schools or from um, their friends or from their family, and they're bringing them in. They're, they're your disciples that you're making to bring other people in. You're a youth pastor. You don't have time to go out and, and witness to a million people and say, hey, come be a part of my youth ministry. You need to do that to your youth leaders and to your youth, right? They're going to be your biggest, uh, biggest cheerleaders. Okay, so real quick, eight things that you need from your team. And again, if, if nothing else, if you want to help build your leadership team, here's eight things that you should be looking for, Okay. One is you need a leader and team members that understand teamwork. And everybody said, amen, Amen. right? Great teams win championships. Not all great players win championships. Together we can do something great, but it takes humility. I think somebody even said with the leaders, who said humility? Wasn't that somebody's answer? One of the things we look for. Um, But together we can do something great. When you feel called to be a leader or the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, whatever, but the opportunity you have right now is setting up chairs. Has anybody ever been there? Right? I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I'm called to sweep the floors. That's the opportunity I have right now. I want to be, I want to be uh, you know, on the worship team, or I want to do this or that, but the pastor just asked me to take the offering. Again, you guys, are, you guys just must be amazing leaders, because I, I feel like everybody I've been a part of, somebody you started somewhere else, right? You had to give your time you know, doing the little things. Um, or the pastor prophet, but the opportunity is setting up chairs. Even if your gift is greater than the team, the team is what will eventually release your gifting. So that's why building a youth leadership team is so important because one of us is not as great as all of us. John Maxwell, that's my mentor. That's who I spend a lot of time with. And he says that all the time. One of us is not as great as all of us, right? Where one can send how many to flight? I think it's a Bible verse somewhere, right? Two can send. Does anybody read their Bible in here? Okay. Again, I'm just saying it's the early session. I'll give you guys grace. Um, but you need to stay faithful and you need to be ready in season and out of season. Um, as leaders, that's why you need to always be uh, raising up the people beneath you. And you need to be ready if somebody, you know, youth, uh, youth pastors in ministry positions, they, are, they have the most, they have the highest turnover rate, you know, every, or, and, and, excuse me, in any position in ministry. Do you guys believe that? And it's true. I think the average youth pastor stays 1.7 months or one year, seven months. It's kind of the average tenure of a youth pastor. Even children's pastors stay longer than that. And I have three kids, and I know how difficult that is, right? So you have to be ready in season and out of season, especially if you're the youth pastor. You never should want to leave your ministry worse off than when you got there. You should want to leave it in a better place. So even if you feel like, hey, God's calling me somewhere else, you should still, to the day you leave, be giving 110% to God and to that church and to your pastor, right? Um, so you got to be ready in season, out of season. My oldest... My oldest daughter, she plays, uh, she plays all kinds of sports. She's a freak athlete. She gets it from her mom. I don't know how, but she, she plays two years up in travel soccer and travel basketball. And so she's 11, but she plays U13. So she plays with 13-year-old girls. And on her basketball team, they played all year. And uh, it was her first year actually playing basketball. Um, she started every game at point guard. Anybody know what a point guard is? Anybody follow basketball? So they kind of they have the ball almost the entire time. They're the ones who, run, who runs the team. Um, they played their entire season, didn't lose a game. Then they made it to the championship game, and she had an indoor soccer game on turf. It's just a kind of a scrimmage kind of game. And uh, anybody ever ran on turf, it's basically like rubber. It's like jumping on a trampoline almost. 
she was doing, she was doing, I'll show you what she was doing, but it's kind of gruesome. I don't want to, sh- if, if you're squeamish, you can close your eyes, but she broke her foot the day before her championship basketball game. But I'm going to show you what she was doing. Um, this is how she broke her foot. If you missed it, I'll do it again real quick. Just can you, if you guys can see. Yeah, she was just literally walking and her foot snapped in half. She broke it. It was literally just like, but being ready in season, out of season, now this, is this young girl who's never played basketball year because my daughter had been playing, literally her first start is the championship game. She, she, had, she had to be ready, right? And unfortunately, you know, I, I told my daughter, like, you should have been stretching your feet. You should have been doing this or whatever. But they lost the game. They lost the championship game. Had been undefeated. The team they played, they'd already beat twice in the regular season. But because this other girl wasn't ready. And so as youth leaders, youth pastors, you need to make sure that you're always investing in the people around you because you never know. I always call it, I also uh, work at a financial company and I I manage about 25 people. And um, I always tell them, hey, listen, if I was to get hit by a bus tomorrow, which I'm not planning on being hit by a bus, but if I was, would you guys be ready for that next meeting, that next thing or whatever? When I do leadership trainings, I tell them all the time, you should have somebody that is available and ready. If you were to walk away today, God called you somewhere else, your, you know, your clothes are folded and you went up to heaven, you know, that somebody else would be ready to take that position and lead those youth because those are souls, right? Those are lives. And listen, even, again, with the turnover of youth ministry, the turnover of youth pastors, a lot of youth are lost during that. And we don't look at that as, as pastors and ministers all the time, but even in a transition like that, if it's your teenager, if you're a parent and you, and you know there's a transition taking place, you want to know that whoever's coming in next, it'll be a seamless transition and my kid's not going to be forgotten. My kid's not going to be missed, right? So number one is you need team members that understand teamwork. Number two is you need team members that learn how to honor upwards, downwards, and all around. Honor. Honor is very important in youth ministry. Unfortunately, uh, the word honor is not, it's, it's kind of frowned upon almost, you know, because the youth nowadays, it's almost like if you, if, you're, if you go against the grain, if you go against honor, that's kind of what's, what's applauded nowadays, unfortunately, in the culture that we live in. But honor is a key piece of any leader. Uh, honoring up is usually easy, right? How many of you know it's easy to honor your pastor? For the most part, how many people here will say, I honor my pastor? Please raise your hand. Otherwise, I need to know who your pastor is. <laughs> Right. Okay. Good. All right. Um, but honoring up is usually pretty easy. Even pretty much honoring to your left or your right. You know, honoring other youth ministers, people that are at your same level. But honoring behind you, honoring down, honoring the people that basically, in lack of better terms, work for you as youth leaders. Honoring down is sometimes difficult. Right. Anybody know? And not in this room, of course. Anybody know somebody outside this room that's just an arrogant youth pastor? No names. Anybody ever run into that to that guy at a youth conference? I'm the only one again. I must just know some really weird people, right? But honor is such an important thing because how, uh, honor, honor reflects God's character. That's what, God, that's what God's character is. God's character is honor. And so by, by showing honor, we f- reflect God's character. Um, you know, you think of honor even, uh, anybody remember the story in the Bible when Noah, um, a man of God, got drunk? Anybody ever read that story before? couple heads good you guys do read your bible i like it i'll tell your pastors don't worry um but when noah got drunk and he was left basically naked what did his sons do his sons honored him and they they basically covered him up you know you can go back and read the the bible first but honor is very important that you show that all around and that you're and honor honor isn't necessarily given by the people who you're honoring but you honor people because you are honorable right so it doesn't matter well that person didn't treat me right or my pastor does this it doesn't matter what they do you honor people not because of who you're honoring, but because that you're honorable th- by God, right? Um, number three, 
you need team members that communicate, right? You, you have a you pastor, you would just want your leaders like, just say, hey, listen, communicate with me. If you're going to be late for a service, shoot me a text, give me a phone call. Anybody ever have a youth leader that just didn't show up to something, right? Again, I might be the only one. You guys have amazing youth leaders, so we're already really good. But you just say, hey, listen, hey, just communicate with me, right? We, we, shoot, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, call, text, send a, you know, send a note. I don't care. Communicate with me somehow, right? How many people would say in this room that your youth ministry already would get stronger if your team, if your leaders just communicated better? Okay? I'm smart. I set, I set reminders. So we've got a couple minutes and we're going to do some Q&A. Um, so again, going back to that, with, um, with communication, uh, culture, a good culture in your youth ministry, if we're creating good culture, that question is, you change from, from they will to I will. And that's really you got to change the way you look at things. you got to change... Change the culture from they will to I will or we will. You know, um, a lot of times when you're talking about youth ministry, you're always like, you know, talking to your pastor, but they can't do this and they're arrogant and they don't show up on time and they don't do this. It's not they, it's we, right? If, if you're the leader, and unfortunately, it's we, right? And you, and you reap what you sow. So if you're seeing, listen, unfortunately, if all your leaders are, are late and don't communicate and have bad attitudes and, and it's all of them, it's, it's not the exception, it's, it's the rule. I would maybe look in the mirror, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that anybody specifically, but, and it's not part of my notes, but if you're saying, hey, listen, nobody wants the help, nobody wants to do this, everybody's got a bad attitude, I would look back at yourself, right? Or whoever the leader is. Um, number five, or excuse me, number four. So you want member, uh, team members who have a can-do attitude. You just, want, you, you just want youth leaders who believe in you, like, like believe in the vision. Like if I say, hey, listen, we're going to have this huge youth event. It's going to be amazing. We're going to get everybody on board. You don't want those youth leaders who just say, yeah, but how much is it going to cost? And, and how are we going to make it happen? And yeah, you need those people. But when, you, when you're casting vision, you want youth leaders to say, yeah, we can do this. I'm going to get on my knees and pray. I'm going to fast. I'm gonna go. What can I do to help? That's what you want as, for your youth leadership team. How many would you say that would help? That, that's going to build energy, right? And same for you if, you know, if you're a youth pastor and you serve for your pastor, you should be doing the same thing. If your pastor says, hey, we're going to go from two services to three services, you shouldn't be that person in the boardroom that says, yeah, pastor, but did you think about the parking lot? Did you think about, listen, you can fix all that down the road. Your pastor needs to hear, we, we can do that, pastor. I believe, in the, I believe that vision, right? And the, and the same goes for you and your youth leaders. So you need to have a team, you want team members that have a can-do attitude. Number five, now this might be a difficult one. This was more for me than I, something that I wanted for my youth leaders. I just wanted youth leaders who had some good life skills. <laughs> like, can anybody say amen? Like, I just, want, I just wanted youth leaders that showered every day, you know? I just wanted youth leaders that, that combed their hair, right? I just wanted youth leaders who, who keep the, kept their car clean, right? Hey, we're going on a trip. I, I need 60 cars. Everybody group up. Yeah, and there's like two cars that nobody will get into because it smells like death. I just want youth leaders who have good life skills, right? Anybody else just want to have leaders that have just good life skills? Why? Because, and you say, well, what, what does that matter? God can use anybody. Absolutely he can. But what you don't want to have is when you have that kid that came out for the first time and they're visiting and they get a bad experience because the youth leader that you set him with looks like he's, you know, committed crimes or whatever, you know. Some of you have those youth leaders, I could tell. Um, so again, I'm just, talk, I'm just talking showering daily, brushing your teeth, right? Things like that. Um, good life skills. If, if your youth leader shows up 10 minutes late but has a Starbucks in their hand, that is not good life skills, okay? I was running late, you know, I was going really behind. Uh, is that Starbucks from today? You know, well, when did you get it? I had to stop because I was really tired. So, so you, you're 10 minutes late. How long did Starbucks take? About 10 minutes, right? That's not a good life skill. 
being on time, being prompt, being there available for your youth pastor, being there available for your pastor, being there available for whatever position you're in. I, listen, I can be 10 minutes late. I only work the snack bar. No, right? That's not integrity. That's not, that's not doing everything unto Jesus, right? Because you're going to, again, you're going to reap what you sow down the road. So we want team members who just have good life skills. Everybody said, amen. amen. All right. A uh, couple, couple more real quick, and then we're going to finish um, and then go to Q&A. We want team members... Um, this is, this is really important, okay? We, we just want team members whose maturity is above their personality, right? Anybody ever dealt with that, just that one youth leader that just has a personality out of this world that is difficult to deal with? You're driving to church and you're praying, Lord God, please let them have the flu. Let them not come to church. You know, again, maybe I'm the only one that had those kind of people working underneath me, but I think everybody's had one at some point, right? I really didn't pray for the flu, trust me. I, but I did pray that they wouldn't show up. I, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, you know, person, and, and listen, I'm not saying it, it, sometimes it's the youth pastor. Sometimes it's the lead person too. You have to make sure that you're mature enough that when things don't look the way you expect them to look or people don't act the way you expect them to act, that your personality doesn't outshine your godliness, right? That's very important because that's a turnoff, not only to, to, to the uh, youth leaders, but it's also a turnoff to the youth, right? Because, and you guys, this might be shocking, but the youth, your teenagers, your, the youth in your church, they see everything. You're probably videotaped and you don't even know it. You're probably on Facebook. You're on, you got your own YouTube channel of behind the scenes videos. They, they, they see everything, right? And so when that's seen, and again, maybe not even from you, but maybe it's something that you're allowing from your other youth leaders, right? So make sure that you're taking that maturity and, uh, and setting a high standard there. And I'm just kind of flying through a couple of these here. Um, Uh, number seven, team, we just want team members who are sold out to the vision. And kind of, kind of tracking back with the other point, but you just want, you need people that are sold out to your vision. You need people who are sold out to the vision of the church. What you don't need and what you don't want are youth leaders who are just looking to start their own youth ministry, right? Anybody ever had one of those, right? Start, hey, you know, you find out through the grapevine that they've been meeting with your leadership team at their home on Friday nights because you meet on Saturday nights and you're just like, Again, maybe that's only happened to me, but just be aware of it. You want people that are sold out to your vision. How, and this is an open, open question. How, how do you know if your youth leaders or the people that you run, help do youth ministry with um, are sold out to your vision? What's, what's a, a tell? Anybody? Consistent. Consistent. They, live they live it out. Very true. What's, what's one more? One or two more? How would you know if you're looking? Man, if you're asking yourself, how do I know if this person's really on board? They're encouraging. Ideas, bringing ideas. Bringing ideas. That's, what I'm, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So go ahead and say what you're saying. Uh, ideas and just follow through with it. Ideas and ways to put it into action. You'll know if a, exactly. You'll know if a youth leader or somebody that's worked with you is sold out to your vision because they're always looking for ways to make it better. They're not looking for you to fail. Right? Anybody had a youth leader that's just waiting for you to make a mistake? Like, I seen you at that PG-13 movie. I'm putting on Instagram. Right? Right? I heard you listen to that song that you shouldn't be listening. Right? Again, maybe I, I just had really weird, weird youth experiences, but, uh, um, but that's, what you, that's what you should want. That's what you, you should want from your youth leadership team. You want people who are sold out to your vision. Um, and, and again, the sore subject, but just kind of going with that, uh, a way that I know that if people are sold out to the vision is if they're tithing, okay? And your pastor might like to hear that as well. But that's how, if you want to know if somebody's really sold out, are they tithing? Not only of their, their, their time, but also of their treasure, right? It's really important because in the Bible it says where your treasure is, 
they're your heart is also, right? So if you're youth leaders, and this is a conversation that sometimes youth pastors have to have with their youth leaders, it's not as comfortable as you'd want. It's not the favorite conversation you want to have, but sometimes you need to make, you need to make, your youth leaders should be tithing. If they're in leadership, I was a senior associate pastor at a church in Austin, and I always had to have those conversations. My pastor was like, hey, I need you to have this difficult conversation with this, with this leader in our church because they're not tithing, you know? And it's just a really awkward conversation, but you have to have it because that's, if they're not tithing, they're not sold out to the vision of the house, right? And why would you want somebody being a leader that's not sold out to your vision, right? Uh, last thing, um, we should, you should want leaders who are not on the gossip train, Right? What you don't want is that leader who always says, did you hear, right? Guess what? Guess what I heard? Anybody have any of those in their church? Like, girl, guess what I just heard about brother, brother Sammy and sister, you know, who, you know, that's the last thing you want in leadership because that's going to split. That'll, that'll cause a divide in your leadership team because rumors, unfortunately, the rumor, you guys all know how the rumor started, especially nowadays. You, you said something first thing in the, you know, 8 a.m. And by 8.01, it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You're getting emails. You're getting phone calls. Like, I heard that you're moving to, you know, I heard that you're quit resigning. I heard that. No, I didn't say that. I just said I'm sick and not coming into work today. You know, that's just the way, you know, anybody ever been there before? Anybody ever had something that got twisted around and you had to clean up, Right. So again, we, do, we just want leaders. You should have leaders on your team that aren't, on, aren't about that, that aren't on the gossip train. The, if, you, if your youth leaders, you know, take it away from their vocabulary. Take away the guess what I heard. Take away the did you know? Um, did you see their update? Take away all that. Um, and then the last thing I just want to say before we get to uh, some Q&A real quick, we have about 10 more minutes for Q&A, um, is start with you. Build your character. Right. If you're the youth pastor, or even if you're not, don't wait for your youth pastor. Right. Start with you. Start today. Do do something. Listen. If you keep doing the same thing over and over, you're going to get the same results. Right. We've all heard that before. So if you leave this conference and you just take a, some really good notes, or you just got one really good point, but you don't put it into action, you, next year when you come to this, you're going to be like, I need to go back to that youth training because I didn't get anything last year. I need to get something new. Just you got to put it in action. Because if you keep doing the same thing, if your youth ministry is at 50, 50 teenagers right now, and you might say, why, why are numbers important? Numbers aren't important other than they show fruit. They show fruitfulness. If your youth ministry is not growing, now listen, if you have a youth ministry of 30 kids and the church is of 30, that, that's fruitful. That's, that's amazing. If you're a church of 10,000 and you've only got 30 teenagers, that's not fruitfulness, right? I mean, you're probably messing a lot of things up and you need to get on your, and what I would say is get on your face and pray. You know, you don't need to go YouTube a video or go to another. Listen, I, didn't, I need to go to another conference because I, now I need to know what to do. I would start by getting on your face before God, right? Start there. Because some of these things, listen, some of the things, like I said, didn't work in St. Louis that worked in Youngstown, didn't work in Austin like they worked in Toledo. But, but God will give that to you. God will give you a vision for your youth ministry. God will give you a vision. God will give you a plan if you ask him for it, right? So if you got anything good, just, just say amen. If you got even just one thing. Okay, so let's do some Q&A. And again, I'm not the only one that needs to respond. There's, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, lot of experience in this room. So anybody have any questions about youth ministry, about, not even about youth ministry, but maybe even about their leadership team or about yourself, uh, just raise your hand up and we'll just go one by one if there is anything. And if I did a really good job, maybe there's no questions, but... Yes, sir. So I literally just started a month and a half ago. Okay. As a youth pastor, full-time. Okay, full-time youth pastor uh, grades. Six or twelve. So you got them the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my question is because there was already a youth leadership team established. Okay. Is how do you begin kind of to mold it to what you want it to be? Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. Like, like, or even start growing it. So there was so you you just came into a new position. There was already an established team there, and you're kind of the outside guy coming in. Right. And you want to yeah, yeah. so and, uh, and if anybody else wants to answer, feel free if you have some insight. But what I would say is again going back to build relationships. What I would start doing. How many of them are there? Uh, there's five right now. Five right now. Um, have you spent individual time with all five of them? Uh, I've spent individual time. With okay. What I would what I would start out with is build a, a one-on-one relationship with them. And if they have spouses, build a relationship with their spouse with both with both of them. Um, if it's teen, you know, whatever there, I would build that relationship, and I would make it a point. I would schedule it. I would literally put on your schedule, build relationship, build relationship with John Smith, build relationship with Mary Sue, or whatever. I would schedule that out and make that a point, because when you build relationship, that's when they're going to buy into your vision, right? Because unfortunately, leaders leaders don't come for you know for the church, for the church building. They, they go to that church because the pastor, because the pastor's vision. Youth leaders will want to join you, not because of the church that you go to, because of who's leading the ministry. And you'll see that, and you'll see that a lot of times in place. If there's a youth pastor that's not building a relationship, they're not going to have youth leaders. So I, that's what I would suggest. Anybody have anything else to add to that? But I, I would start by building a relationship individually with those five that you have now. See where their vision is. See where their vision is also. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, don't, don't, be, don't be stingy with it. Like, like have them fill out a 100-page questionnaire, and if they miss one, they don't have your vision. Don't do that, right? Just do, do life with them. You know, build relationship with them. Anybody else? I think that they've been born into your students already, it sounds like, previous to you. So I think just knowing your heart is really important to them. Like, and really just knowing what your heart is for those teenagers, and that'll allow them to open up a little bit more to you about their heart and their vision. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so key. If you if your youth leaders don't have a, a relationship with you or you're a youth leader and you don't have a close relationship with the youth pastor, you need to invest in that. That's point one. If you get nothing else, invest in that relationship. Anybody else? Any other questions? Yes, sir. Um, our church has kind of a leadership problem of when we came two and a half years ago, just for the church in whole, okay. we had a good, a fairly good faith of leadership, but most of them are getting older, starting to step out, okay. and, you know, needing to shift, and then we're, we've expanded beyond the capabilities of the team we have. Okay. But then all the new adults that we have were either drug addicts six months ago, okay. or, Christ, or just became Christians three weeks ago. Okay. A little bit of a drama to this over, um, over okay. the side, but besides that, so my question is, what are some guideposts that we could look for of now you're ready to take some leadership? Here's what I'll say first, kind of multiple answers to that question. Uh, one is, remember, just in general, we're working with youth and, and kids, and, t- and most importantly is their safety. And that, that's got to be number one as a youth pastor. Most youth pastors aren't do that. Like, hey, we're going to go do whatever crazy, and we're not signing permission. You don't think about permission slips. You don't think about getting permission from the parents. You don't think about any of that. Um, but it should be as a youth pastor, as a youth leader, uh, the safety and the protection of your youth. That you're the shepherd. That's that's up to you. So I would be careful. One with somebody that has a background like that, that you're just cautious of, cautious of. But uh, make sure that there's uh, steps in place that before you are you have a youth worker that they go through classes or courses or get um, accredited. However, that your church does to make sure they can work with young people and youth. And if they do all that, then I, I would say again, build a relationship with them. Start with them and. Um, you know, I think it's really important because if God brought that person to you, one, pray about it, make sure that it's, you know, 
and I hate to throw this out there, but sometimes there's a wolf in sheep's clothes, right? And again, just be, be aware of that um, and pray about that. But if it if it's feels like somebody, God's brought this person to help you, pray, pray about, God, what, what doors should I open? I'd keep them close. I'd keep that situation close. And I would, of course, anytime there's a situation like that, I would always bring it to your pastor. Don't just say, hey, listen, I'm going to pray about it and make this decision on my own because, and I'll just use your example, I, God brought in this, uh, this ex-drug addict six months ago and now they're in the youth, you know, I definitely would, in a scenario like that, I would bring that to the pastor. I'll bring that to your pastor and help make a decision, um, but definitely through prayer and then build a relationship. You'll know, you'll know if they're real. Like, you know, again, a sheep in wolf's clothes can happen. Um, it's happened in, probably in every youth ministry, um, but that doesn't mean that God can't use them either. We've, I've, had, I've seen that numerous times where God have, has used somebody with a background of a lot of those things of drug and alcohol addiction or whatever really be changed by God um, and, and be used. So I would start by one, pray about it, build a relationship with them, and then have a conversation with your, with your pastor as well. Anybody else want to add to that or another question? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. As youth, and as people in general, but especially ministry, you always got to be willing to learn, right? If you ever get to the point, no matter if you're if you're 75 or 17, if you feel like you've you've hit your lid and you've stopped learning, then you might as well get out of ministry. You, know, you might as well stop doing what you're doing because you need to always be willing to learn. Right, I, I try to do that every day. That's why I'm. Any readers in here? Anybody that likes to read? Because those are two different things. I'm a reader, but I don't like to read. Right. So uh, again, always be learning, always be growing, always be looking. You know, looking how you can get better at. Again, this is this is where God's called you to be. So continue to grow. Um, but I think, like you said, bring them alongside of you. You know, that's a, that's another step. Any other questions, thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, editorial statements? I'll take any of them. No. Yes, sir. How do you dismiss a leader? I think that's kind of a case-by-case scenario. Um, Again, you may have bylaws in your church that tell you to do it a specific way. Again, um, small print is always go by by your pastor, and they said something. But it would depend on the situation. It depends what you're dismissing them for. Um, But if it's, you know, um, if it's a good thing, if if they're leaving for maybe a, a reason that you can turn to a good thing, I would make it a good thing. You know, maybe it's not the best situation, but I would present it as a good thing, especially if they're really connected and they have a lot of relationship with the youth, then I would make it a, a public thing and make it a good, like a positive, right? If it's maybe for not so good reasons or whatever else, then I would just, uh, again, talk with your pastor on how to do it. But that's a, that's a whole different answer. You know, if they're maybe, uh, you know, let's say morally fallen, or I'm just saying using big examples, then that's, that looks different, right? But if it's for a positive thing or they're just moving on or that maybe you just think they're not, they're not meshing or they're not following orders or whatever it is, um, if it's not a big deal, then I would make it a positive, hey, listen, God's called this person to do some new amazing things. Let's grow up, you know, how, you know does that make sense? So, but if, if, if it's a negative thing, I, you would handle that a little bit differently. Yep. Absolutely. 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 Perfect. Absolutely. Contracts and that kind of thing, you need to have them. 
for, for some of the reasons like you just said. For one, you always want to have that out as well. Like if you lease a car and the car is a junker, you want to be able to get out, right? If that leader isn't doing the right things, but maybe they're not doing the wrong enough things to get them out, you want to be able to have that conversation with them and say, hey, listen, you made a year commitment. I see the guys maybe moving you on to some other things, you know, whatever. It <laughs> doesn't make sense. So you want to have that out sometimes. Um, yes, sir. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Been there. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. youth pastors as youth leaders again if you just do everything with grace you know do it all do it through prayer do listen there's some of these conversations you're gonna you can't have that conversation right away you literally need a week of fasting before you have that conversation with that leader anybody ever had a leader like that we're like listen i can't just have that conversation today because i'm not going to respond correct right listen take it on pray about it you know make sure that you're doing a god thing but do it do everything with grace because you want to be you want to be a good representative of the house of god and also your pastor right so um I think we're right at time. Um, I'm going to do one, one thing real quick. I want to do a crazy picture I'm going to put on my website. So if everybody just do a crazy face or do something really weird, on the count of three, one, two, three, give a thumbs up or something. There we go. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any questions, catch me at some time. Thank you very much.